Welcome everyone to Unboxing Logistics. We're glad you're back again with us. I'm Lori Boyer, your host here on the podcast, and I am really excited about today's topic because we are going to be talking about money, um, or at least costs, which isn't quite as exciting. Yeah. Um, we're going to be digging all into the costs that come with creating a product and getting it all the way through to market and to people's homes and hopefully how to reduce those costs Absolutely. and save a little money because, uh, spoiler, there's a lot of costs that come with it. I have invited back to our studio today, Tom Butt. He is a great friend of mine and an awesome person who knows so much about this topic and I am just thrilled to have him here. Welcome, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Lori. Tell our, our viewers, sure. in case they don't quite remember you, who who you are, your background. Sure. And... Uh, so I'm, I'm Tom Butt. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of our, our Elevate product. We're part of the, the wider um, Simpler Postage family with Easy Post. And um, I am the chief customer success officer over um, both Elevate, which is our data product um, business intelligence tool, and then over our professional services group, so Summit Advisory Team. So if you see both of those, we're all part of one big, big happy family. Um, and I'm Chief Customer Success Officer, as I mentioned. Um, I just make sure that our customers across professional services, across our data product, are getting the most out of the services that we offer and making sure that they're getting the synergies of using data to make better decisions and you know, really drawing from our, our wealth of expertise in the Summit team. Um, to make sure that we're helping them man manage costs. I know we're going to be talking about that today, um, but also just from an execution standpoint, making sure that they're they're executing and implementing, um, you know, improvement projects, transformational projects, sustaining, and then coming keeping up with- Keeping them on task a little, Keeping huh? them on task. Um, I love it. But also doing some strategy work on the front end to make sure that they're oh, awesome. they're following the right path and that they're they're developing a winning strategy to help their business succeed. Nice. I love strategy and I love somebody keeping me on task. And <laughs> yeah, you have perfect. somebody like that in my personal life, I think. Mm -hmm. um, okay, before we get started and dive into all the cost to serve and the metrics and analytics and everything, we're going to do a fun little game just to get to know you a little better. Okay. This is our this or that questions with Tom Butt. Um, so just tell me which you prefer. Indoor activities or outdoor activities? Outdoor activities. Outdoor. You're an outdoor guy. For sure. You told me recently you moved to Colorado just for outdoors, yeah, right? Yeah, fly fishing, snowboarding, hiking, well, camping. This season, you enjoy them all. Uh, I, I like fall a lot. It's cooling off a little bit more. It's beautiful with the leaves. So love just it. love doing that and getting outside with, with my wife. So Okay. Are you a traditional note taker with a pen or do you do notes all digitally? So I am a digital note taker. Um, Me too. So it seems I, like there's tons of I've pen got a, people. A, con a constant notepad flowing, and I feel like it's flexible, and I can yeah. copy and paste and adjust it pretty easily. Okay, I feel so much better about that because I feel like so many people are traditionalists, and they tell me all these benefits of writing stuff by hand. So if Tom Butt does it, I can do it too. That makes me feel good. Basketball or football? Football. Football. Although our Denver Nuggets just won the NBA championship, oh. so it's been fun to watch them too. Oh, do you have a favorite team then? Is it the Nuggets? Uh, I'm gonna say the Nuggets for now. I used to live in Milwaukee. The Bucks <laughs> have a place in my heart, and okay, I'll, I'll keep supporting them. I got an East and a West thing going. You, there. you got it. You got like your backups. I've got my backups. Okay, you have somebody. Okay, pizza or burgers? 
Pizza. Me too. Which is worse, zombies or vampires? Who? I feel like vampires are they're more shrewd, so you have to watch out for them a you little bit more. Vampire or uh, zombies, you can just kind of push they're them a little away. Stupid and yeah, run. yeah, yeah. I'm with you. On Trick that. them easily. Board game or video games? Board games. Board games. A little, games. little more, more social. I like just kind of getting like together with friends and doing that. And I know there's there's the video games yeah. over online stuff, but I just I never got into yeah. that. I was going to say, I realized with video games, because I like to video game sometimes, I only like it when I'm playing with other people. So yeah. it must be a social yeah. thing too. But I love board games as sure. well. Okay, would you take, I think I have a guess on this, but would you take an adventure vacation or a relaxation vacation? Ooh, I'm all about the adventure. That's what I thought. But, but you do need some of those times when you're between adventuring and just some downtime to, to chill a little bit. Yeah. So 3PL or an in-house logistics team? Say Ooh, you I, owned a big company, which would you do? I got to go with the with the uh, in-house logistics in-house. team. In-house, all right. And granted, that's the caveat there is you ha- you're big enough to yeah, have a team and to one. necessitate that. If you're just a startup or something like that, 3PL might be the right fit. So. It's kind of dependent on your conditions. I, yeah. I do like a good team that you can build on, develop, and do some of the, you know, just uh, career development as well. And you, yeah. you start to kind of hit a groove and become a, a well-oiled machine. Yeah, I love that. Which is worse, increased government regulation in the industry or a big labor shortage in the industry? We're going to have debate about this in our comments. Which which is worse, uh, more government regulation or worse labor? I'm going to go with the government regulation is worse. Just because I'm a little bit more of a laissez-faire, you can – labor shortages, yes, you can increase – Costs can increase. Yeah, yeah, However, you start to drive some innovation and you Mm -hmm. start to get creative with some of that stuff. And I know – we talked earlier about holiday readiness and mm-hmm. just with a good plan and the right people and the right analytics, you can, you, you can, can ma- manage that more. You can, it's, it's more manageable. And it kind of comes and goes where the government yeah. regulations are sort of like stuck there and you're going to have to deal with them. Yeah. And you're time. kind of at the whim of what's happening. Yeah, so. I agree with that. Do you like chatbots or actual phone call support? I'm a phone call support person. I was gonna say you are a over customer I'm support. A little so bit, I'm a little bit of a luddite, maybe in that sense. But um, there is a, a time school. and a, there is a time and a place, and our, our um, chief analytics officer would would hawk the the chatbot stuff, okay. especially especially from a cost management aspect. But I do like a good customer service yeah. person. Yeah, there's I mean there's a lot of pros and cons, right? Yeah, um, and there's pros to both. Sure. Cons to both. So I love hearing your opinion. Sure. Okay. So we're going to dive into the good stuff, though. Um, I want to talk about costs, and I would love if you gave us a little bit of background so that we start, you know, kind of just in general with costs, what kind of trends have we seen for businesses um, when it comes to operating costs, what's going on in the industry? Sure. Um, So a couple things, um, just real quick to identify costs to serve. When I think about that, I typically think about, um, you know, there are capital costs and building expenses mm-hmm. and things like that. But um, typically when I talk cost to serve, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the cost to fulfill a particular order, okay. ex- excluding any of the hard assets that you might be depreciating or paying off. So okay. it's really that variable cost component of okay. um, your cost of goods. So that's okay. something that your your product teams are going to kind of manage on the, mm-hmm. the front end and your procurement teams. Um, you also have your, your uh, labor costs. 
Okay. So labor costs or any of the variable labor that goes into fulfilling a product, moving it through your your warehouse or your DC or getting it to your stores. Does that include the cost of creating it? Like you said, the cost of goods. The goods are already created. Yeah, so, so I'm thinking of it more in terms of a um, cost of goods is sort of all things that go into, you know, the manufacturing, the... Okay. Those sorts of things. Of a lot of times your, your teams are managing that upstream and your uh -huh. buying teams and procurement teams are working to, to mitigate those. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a lot more focused for me, at least, on the operational cost things that you can control. Okay. Um, so there's that labor component. Mm -hmm. So that's typically labor. your your wage wage rates that you're paying for your, your warehouse workers, yeah. your store teams. People have to um, pay for that? Yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> believe it or not. Um, but then you also have your... Um, your materials costs so okay. yep. you're shipping cartons your dunnage those have fluctuated so uh, much totally, over the last totally. few years and if you have a good if you have a good uh shipping supplies contact <laughs> those are those are gold <laughs> so make sure you you establish those relationships yeah. especially if you can get them at, at a good cost so yeah. um and then there's the um the shipping cost component of it so okay. not the the materials that you're using to ship but the the postage that you're paying so that would be to you know, your FedEx, your UPS, your DHL, um, USPS. Um, and, you know, th those are the sorts of things that you're negotiating um, costs with the carriers on the front end. You hopefully are getting some leverage um, year over year. And the one of the things that I'm seeing is as we're coming out of COVID, um, we're seeing that um, shippers, so people that are retailers, people that are shipping mm -hmm. things, um, have a little bit more leverage than they had during covid so mm. as volume shifted mm. to mm. online you had you know the big carriers that really had they had a need that everyone wanted right so um so they had a little bit more leverage and were able to increase and jack a up a lot more leverage yeah. oh totally totally <laughs> um yeah don't want to understate that but um <laughs> but basically um you know as we've come out and as capacity mm -hmm. has increased and as carriers are I'm growing, um, you know, there's a little bit more leverage that you have. It's to, a little bit to... more of a shipper's market. Correct. Yeah. A little bit. It's, a little uh, bit. <laughs> it's, um, it's not quite um, still a shipper's market, just a little bit more that way. Yeah. Um, so, so there's those costs. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, some of the, the reverse logistics costs. Okay. Um, so that would be any of your cost of returns. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you take a sale, you get it all the way to the customer, hopefully on time and in, in full. Um, but, uh, you know, the customer, for whatever reason, says, eh, I don't want this. So you got to ingest that back into your network and pay for some of those things. And then there's um, the support costs, right? So you have um, your call center teams that are fielding calls and are, you know, trying to smooth things over when things don't quite go right. So mm -hmm. um, so all of that is sort of this, this downstream operational cost and when I think of cost to serve, those are those, the are, main, the those are the main components for me. And and what are the challenges that our industry is facing when it comes to these costs? What where are we seeing increases? Sure. What, so what have we got going? I think a, a big one, you know, um, and it's maybe loosening up a little bit, but the just the labor costs that are out there. Um, so it's labor markets are getting tighter and tighter. Um, mm -hmm. And so... And labor's hard in this industry to start. I mean, we have huge turnover rates Correct. compared to all other industries. Correct. So you're saying that you're seeing that even increasing further. Correct. Wow. So it's it's maybe not accelerating as much as it was. It's kind of mm -hmm. plateauing a little bit, but it, it has certainly come up over the last couple of years here. Okay. So wow. 
Um, so seeing that, um, again, mentioned, you know, during COVID, some of the, the price increases that mm-hmm. the carriers were pu- pushing down on people, that was a, a big component of it. Um, so I, I think the other thing is just warehouse space. So you look at the real yeah. estate market, um, you know, commercial real estate and things where, you know, office space, things like that is pretty vacant right now. Mm-hmm. Um kind of two areas where where you're seeing increases. So one is in um, data processing. So you're seeing that that market is still pretty hot in terms of having capacity to process data. Um, And then warehouse space is another big one. So um, that's something where, you know, if you're looking at 3PLs and things like that, Mm -hmm. those costs are constantly sort of going up there as well. Okay, wow. So are we having some issues issues with kind of inventory spreading thin across like our fulfillment networks. I've been hearing about that sort of buzz and wondering if that tied in. Yeah. So, so one of the things, um, you know, we're, we are seeing some softening in, in demand. Mm -hmm. Um, that's broad brushstroke for, for the retail industry. But, um, I think a lot of, I think a lot of retailers would identify with that. And so, um, you know, with, some of those sales flattening mm-hmm. or softening a little bit. Um, we're seeing merchandising teams try to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of managing their inventory and mm. kind of thinning that out. So, mm. you know, they're trying to trim out things that are unproductive SKUs, um, trying to liquidate things. So they're trying to trying to make sure that whatever inventory they have is productive. Um, but then as as we've seen omni-channel fulfillment, so okay. you know fulfillment uh-huh. across DCs, 3PLs, direct ship vendors, um, stores, mm-hmm. those inventory pools, people are trying to understand where should I have that inventory? Yeah. And I can't just have, can't just increase inventory across the board. I need to be strategic about where I'm placing that inventory and um, how I'm making sure that it's productive. How, how does where you place the inventory impact their costs? Sure. So I think you know, across the different fulfillment channels that you may have. So um, that could be, you know, ship to customer. Mm-hmm. So from either a store or a DC or a 3PL shipping to customers is one. Um, you have the buy online pickup in store, which is sort of the hybrid. Okay. So you're uh-huh. still going to a brick and mortar store. Um, and then you have the, you know, just the in-store brick and mortar experience. So yeah. Typically, and, and I should mention, ship from store. Yeah. So you are shipping from from a store. That's part of that that ship to customer experience. But um, kind of what we're seeing is across those different fulfillment channels, mm-hmm. there's different costs to serve, right? So, okay. so typically, your cheapest option is going to be your customer walking into your store and going and no. doing the fulfillment for you. Yes, right. right. <laughs> so you don't have to. You do have to worry about a little bit of labor cost and a little bit of shipping to get it to the store, to land mm-hmm. it. Um, but the customer is typically going to come in. They're going to do the product inspection. There's maybe a lower return rate because mm-hmm. they're able to physically look at the product. This is somebody who's purchased it online but picks up at the store. Uh, or this is a person who goes into the store, just looks around so and buys something. So this is the person that just goes into the store, okay. looks around okay. and buys something. Um, I would say next cheapest fulfillment option is that buy online, pick mm-hmm. up in store option that okay. you just mentioned. So. Um, the reason it's a little bit more expensive is you do have somebody that in the store has to go take time out of mm-hmm, their day to go mm-hmm. retrieve, retrieve the merchandise. It's more convenient for the customer. Okay. Um, however, you are spending a little bit of labor for that associate to go get that particular product. Right. 
you know, that one yeah. or two items or kind of do the scavenger hunt around the stores. Uh-huh. Um, and then typically it doesn't always have to be this way. Okay. Um, typically fulfilling out of your um, distribution center is next is next okay. or out of your, your 3PL or your, yeah. um, out of your vendor network. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is typically when you're fulfilling from a warehouse, you're getting economies of scale. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also in this case, now we, now we introduce the concept of having to pay for the shipping. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have that shipping piece where you're having to pay your carrier yep. to get it to your customer. And that's, yep. that's a big component. So we, yeah. we typically see, you know, five to 10 X the cost of labor to do the fulfillment mm-hmm. in that, that shipping carrier cost. So, yeah. So, F- it's so a, five to 10 over the next cheapest option over those options where you yeah. don't have to do that fulfillment that's piece. Huge. So, um, so again, you're paying, you know, maybe a dollar or two to, to fulfill things, mm-hmm. but you're paying five bucks sometimes, depending yeah. on how many units you get in a package. And we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, but you're paying for that, that cost to get it out okay. to your customer. So, mm-hmm. um, and what are customers expecting in terms of cost? I mean, my understanding free, sure. Sure. <laughs> at least as a shopper, I want sure. it free, you know, how fast, what, what is the sure. standard? So these days everyone wants fast and free. We have big retailers out there um, that set that expectation. They want everything, you know, two days or less and they don't want to have to pay for it. Okay. Um, now we have done some, some market research and okay. what we're seeing is people prefer free over fast. Fast mm. and free is best, but mm. they do prefer free over having to pay for something. Okay, that's interesting, everybody. So Free over so, fast, although both is best. Both is yeah. best. Okay. Um, but if you can choose one, and, free over fast. And almost never do people want to pay for something that they're going to get really slowly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so there, there will be people that will abandon cart when they see mm. that. They, they may abandon it if they see they're going to get it in you know five days plus, mm-hmm. but they're really going to abandon it where they're like, hey, I'm just going to go look for somewhere where I don't have to pay to ship this yeah. to myself. Yeah. So makes sense. Um, okay. So uh, the 3PLs, DCs, those were our next. Yep. And so those, the most expensive. And then, then most expected, most expensive typically um, from what I've seen is, is your ship from store. Yeah. And the reason for that is your stores, you're trying to serve two purposes. So mm-hmm. you're trying to leverage that inventory by exposing it to the walking customer. But at the same time, you're saying, hey, I want to turn my store into a distribution center. Mm -hmm. So you have people that, you know, sometimes depending on how hot the item is, you may have an online customer that buys a product in a store that a walk-in customer comes and gets Mm. before you can't see it um, or before you can't fulfill it. Yes. And so typically your stores, you you don't have pick paths set up. You're kind of going maybe shuffling amongst your walk-in customers. Um, And the other thing is your inventory depth in your stores is typically shallower and the problem that that creates is if you have a wide assortment that you offer your customers online making sure that all of that product is located so it's a four four unit uh, order Uh making sure that that's all located at the same location so you can fit into one shipping box versus hey that product may be across multiple locations yeah right you may have to pay for shipping two or three times in which case you're degrading that margin so and I think I read somewhere that even just inventory counts, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but inventory counts in store are sure. almost twice as likely to be inaccurate compared oh, to like absolutely. You know, so at a DC or ben- something. Yeah, benchmark that we would see in a distribution center, you're seeing 
99.9% accuracy in terms of doing cycle counts Uh and inventory counting in your distribution centers and stores. If you can get 95%, that's going to be what I would say good. But again, you have customers that are walking Mm -hmm. in, they're moving things, they're maybe taking stuff into changing rooms and there's some inventory shrink potentially with with what goes yeah. on in the stores. So as well. it may seem like a great idea, like, hey, let's fulfill from our store. But in the long run, the costs there are a lot sure. higher. So you sure. gotta just it, calculate it, that. Potentially. So you gotta make sure that you are managing again your inventory levels and that you're okay. strategic about what you sell from stores. It may be things oh. where, you know, you do something where you're looking at, hey, I've got merchandise that's about to go to clearance. And so what you wanna do is you may have a client that's or customer that's across the country that wants to buy that. Now you have to ship it to that customer, mm-hmm. but you may maintain some margin by not taking that that discount on that product and having to mark it down. Mm, I see so, what you're saying. So you're shipping potentially further and spending a little bit of money to ship it, but you're not having to take that discount on the product. Okay, so. that totally makes sense. So more costs. You mentioned uh, personnel, labor. Sure. How does labor kind of tie into the cost here? What are we seeing? Um, How's that driving up costs? Sure. Um, so I think just in general, um, you know, labor rates are, are going up. It's markets mm-hmm. are becoming more competitive. Yeah. Um, you know, By so labor rates, you just mean like their actual pay rate. The pay rate of the yeah. individuals that are coming in to Not be. Not the number of people who want to come work. <laughs> yeah, correct. Correct. And, you know, so so I think just, um, you know, tighter labor markets is, okay. is becoming a thing. And I, I did mention, um, you know, there's the warehousing spaces mm-hmm. is kind of. Um, exploding yeah. lately. Um, so there's a lot of those jobs out there and, you know, certain markets may be a little bit better than others, but um, typically we're seeing increases there. Increases in wage. Are, are you increase we seeing in increases? Have you seen anything in terms of other benefits or anything that people are demanding? Yeah, I, or? I, I think, you know, as people, as the industry matures, people mm-hmm. are demanding more of the less of just the, the hourly wage and they are looking oh. at things like, you know, healthcare packages and, mm. Um, you know, things that you may need to offer to be competitive, competitive yeah. with what else is out there. So, Okay, so we've got our, our costs to serve. How do we start? What do we look at? Sure. Uh, what are factors that we should be considering if sure. we're evaluating it? Sure. So I think, you know, first and foremost is understanding how your customer wants to buy your product, right? So okay. we mentioned the different channels that customers are coming to, to buy product. Okay. Um, and so what you want to do is be intentional with placing your merchandise in the place that your customer wants to buy it, right? So for those walk-in customers, you want to make sure that when they come into the store that they have the products that they want. So uh-huh. um, there's no kind of worse feeling as a shopper where you, you go into a store and you take time out of your day and you drive to that store to go try something on and then they're out of the thing that you yes. need, right? So yes. the, the shoes that you need, the size that and the color that you're looking for, you wanna make sure that you have that trip assurance in there so that you're taking those mm-hmm. sales at a lower hit to margin or a lower cost um, because okay. your customer is doing that fulfillment. So now, I assume this is gonna be really variable depending on what you're selling. Correct. Right, like you've mentioned before to me that you like to buy clothes in person, sure. but buy lots of other stuff online, sure. right? Sure. So how how can a company know, I guess, where their best method is of where people want to buy sure. their stuff? 
And some of that's going to be dependent on the the type of product. So again, clothing is is classical where people mm-hmm. they may know like a brand or something that they want in the sizing. Um, those those customers yeah. may be a little bit more apt to go buy mm. online. And I've seen like Amazon has like try before you buy or something. Yeah, there's and there's a, there's a lot of crea- there's a lot of creative solutions out okay. there to um, basically mitigate the the risk of return. So making sure that you have those free mm-hmm. returns options, things like that. Um, so that people are willing to take that jump and to, to buy something online. Um, but typically things like commodities that might be out there. So I think of like batteries, right? Uh-huh. Some AAA batteries, no matter what you buy or where you buy it from, you're going to get AAA batteries right. that fit no matter what. So um, so with those sorts of things where it's, it's more of a known commodity or if it's maybe more of a direct-to-consumer brand that has a strong brand presence, mm-hmm. people are going to be potentially more likely to buy online versus something okay. where it's, again, personal style or choice um, that they might want to okay. make. It's a little bit more subjective. Okay. Um, people may want that, that in-store experience. So um, the other thing in terms of people and understanding your customers is mm-hmm. how much when they place an order when they buy something, what else do they buy with it? So what's that affinity mm. to other things that they might be be purchasing, right? So if they come in to your website or come onto your website, are they buying five to 10 things per order mm-hmm. or are they buying one thing per order? Um, and the, mm. the reason that's important is because if you see your customers buying one thing, you're likely only going to ship that item by itself and you're going to have to absorb that that shipping cost on that one item so you're going to take a margin hit there Uh if you buy four to five things if you can ship all of those things in one box and you can shape your customers demand in a way where you offer incentives to buy more um, you may be able to offset the incremental cost of shipping on each of those items by fitting it all into one box so 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 what are people doing to try to get People to buy more. Um, I mean, there's there's things like um, you know toggling where your free shipping cutoff may be. So okay. Um, so that may be something. Um, you know, making suggestions in in your market basket may be another okay. way. So, um, you know, have you thought about this? Other customers are buying this. Um, so there's there's things that you can do in that in that respect. Okay. Um, when your customers are buying many things, again, it's it's imperative that those products are all co-located. So that okay. you can ship in in one box and not split split that order up okay. across multiple. So how do you sitting. do that? How do you make sure that they're all in the same DC? Sure. And that's that's where we get into the fun of some of the analytics of this. So you start to look. <laughs> so why at, the supply chain is so complex? Yeah, yeah. So um, so what you're looking for is you know you look at your your customer. You look at how many units they they purchase per mm-hmm. order. What's the the units per basket or the units per transaction. Okay. Um, and then you can take a breakout and a cro- do a cross-section of, you know, how many customers kind of do a histogram breakout, how many mm-hmm. customers are just buying the one item, how many buying, you know, 10 plus, how many buying two, three, four, five, and so on. Um, and what you can do then is look at for those products that they're buying, is there any sort of affinity? So is there anything, mm. you know, you think about somebody's buying shoes, are they buying socks with it? Yeah, Can right. you put those things together? And then oh, over time, yeah. are those things that, um, are those things that, you know, you see those those common patterns. Um, so you might see footwear in winter, everyone's buying boots and thick socks. Right. In summer, they might just buy, be buying a pair of sandals. Um, so you want to look at across time, how uh, persistent are those those buying patterns? And 
It seems obvious, but I assume that you would recommend that there's some sort of software, just data that they can pull up. They don't have to actually sure so, look so, through it. Yeah, so so typically you're going to want um, a more advanced analytics type of, of okay. product to be able to do that, to be able to see what's being bought with what else. Okay. Um, and you want to see, again, across your product categories, what are they buying just the one item? What are they buying uh -huh. with other things? Um, and then what level of predictability do you have in terms of that person buying consistently the same, how, how frequently are they buying the socks and the shoes? Is yeah. it 90% of the time? Is it 10% of the time? That's going to dictate, again, some of the... Um, the complexity of that that market basket and then how creative you need to be to mitigate the costs of fulfillment of that that holistic order mm. so i'd say two things that are really important to understand that okay one is um cost per cost per order cost per order and cost per unit and cost per unit so how much are you spending in those operational costs that we outlined okay. how much are you spending on the order to fulfill that order and how okay. much are you spending for each of those, each of the, the items. Each of the items. Okay. So again, um, if you have a complex order, you know you can smooth some of those costs out. Maybe find ways to to leverage and to mitigate. Um, and typically, the sign of a more mature organization is they're mm -hmm. managing that. They've come up with strategies to mitigate those. Um, you may see for companies that maybe are a little less mature. They're splitting a lot of packages. Yeah. They're sending, you know, one thing from the store. They're sending one item from one DC, another item from another DC. And all of a sudden, if you're not looking at managing those costs, you could mm. be losing money on that order okay. and scrambling in other ways of your, your organization to, to make up for that. If, if they are getting to the point where they are seeing that, let's say it's a fairly large company, big enough that they've got, you know, in-person stores, they've got a few DCs, however it is, um, I mean, what potential savings could they have sure. by optimizing the way that they're managing their inventory? Sure. Um, so on the order over order level, I mean, we're talking about potentially cutting costs in half if you're putting wow, the right things in, in the right half. place. Those yeah. are big words. Yeah, again, um, a lot of that is just because, again, if you're taking two boxes to ship uh -huh. something that you'd have shipped in one, three boxes, um, yeah. you know, you may want to you may have a lot of opportunity to cut down on some of those costs. Like I said, um, typically cost of goods sold is going to be your, your highest cost category. Okay. Next is going to be your shipping cost. And then third is going to be your labor cost. And last is going to be your supplies cost. So okay. typically merchant organizations buying procurement teams are good at mitigating the COGS costs. There still is some opportunity there. Okay. But it's that shipping piece that people are really struggling to, to figure really? out and is something that we can we can look at and, and that organizations should be able to look at to, to drive costs out of the supply chain. Why do you think that that's an area that struggles more than the others? I think a big part of it is there's sort of this probabilistic nature of like, what is your customer ordering? Mm -hmm. And um, it's not as mature because as these supply chains have evolved and as we've gone through COVID and more people are shopping online and we're getting more creative at fulfilling, it's um, there's a lot of variables. And if you don't mm -hmm. have those all dialed in, you can be saving money in one place, but spending money somewhere else. Yeah. So it's just due to complexity. It's the complexity of it. And, you know, with complexity, I think a big part is the analytics piece. Okay. So yeah. creating visibility to what's going on so that you can understand how are you spend? How are you spending money? 
where are you infusing more costs than you need to? Okay. And, um, you know, where, where are the places that you can create leverage, right? So, um, so some of those things you should have, as I always recommend, have a plan, right? So work with your finance team, mm-hmm. look at your costs, come up with a plan so that you can look at year over year as your organization matures. How are you, how are you leveraging spend or where are things w- that you can maybe get a little bit more creative? Okay. Um, Another just strategy that I would recommend is take a look at how you're offering your products to, to your, um, to your customer. So for example, if you have, you know, something that's really cheap in your stores, um, it may make sense to sell it in the store. You don't necessarily need to put that particular item online unless it's in part of a bigger basket where you can say, Mm. Hey, you know, this customer is either offsetting this cost by paying for the costs themselves. So you're generating okay. some shipping revenue. Or what you can do is you can say, um, you know, this might just not be an item that we want to sell online. So you restrict that item for online sale. You just let the walking customer buy that. And again- Is there a cutoff range you recommend? Like, oh, this thing costs 50 cents. We're not going to ship it or- Yeah, I think, um, you know, typically if it's less than a couple bucks, if you ship it by itself, Mm-hmm. It's going to be something that you either want to capture that shipping revenue through okay. minimum shipping charge, um, or you make sure that's part of a, a bigger basket. So I would say if okay. it's less than a couple bucks, it's it may be worth it, depending on if your customer needs that as part of a bigger yeah. basket set. But if it's something that they're going to just buy on its own and you're giving them free shipping, you might be underwater on that, yeah, that particular that sale. Sense. Awesome. Um, what metrics do you think are essential for understanding... Your operating expenses, what, you know, what kind of things do people need to look at? So so I think, you know, obviously your labor rate. um, So I would would say first and foremost, if you can bring everything together through what I'd call like an operating margin, um, that would be the number one thing that I would look at. So that's just a... Adding up all the different costs you yep. got from all the places, yep. put them so, together, so you, and that's your list. So you look at your revenue from your sale. You look okay. at your any revenue that you capture by charging for shipping. Okay. And then you subtract off your cost of goods. You subtract off your shipping cost. You subtract off your labor cost, and then you subtract off your um, your shipping supplies cost. Okay. So what that leaves you with, if you can look at that at a granular order level is you can see how much money you made on any particular order. And you can nice. then look at and say, what is my margin for this mm-hmm. particular order? Did I make 50%? And this is this and is And you a look little, at orders, not items. You look at orders, you can look at it, slice it at the item level as well. As well, so, okay. Um, so I would say both, um, both okay. are useful. Um, wanting to measure that, that margin, mm-hmm. you get that dollar amount and then you look at a, a percentage. and. One caveat to that is, you know, we see customers that have really high value um, items that are out there. Mm -hmm. And we have customers that have really low value items. Those things, you can't really do an apples to apples comparison. Like in terms of percentage? Correct. You can't really do an apples to apples comparison because some some customers may have a wide set of products and they want to scale and they want to do volume. So they're Mm -hmm. selling stuff for, for cheap. Um, that's a different nut to crack than if you go after somebody who's selling a premium good or something like a, you know, electronics or Rolex. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, 
So um, is there kind of a best practice percentage that you would say people should look at and be like, ooh, my margins are off? And again, I, knowing you just said, yeah, it's going to vary. I would say it's um, what's more relevant is if you can get any sort of industry benchmark. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, in like the apparel type of, of category, I would say somewhere between 15 to 25%. Again, okay. depending on the type of yeah. of product that's out there, you know, premium electronics, you should see higher margins. Mm. Um, if you can look at margin in comparison to um, how you've done in the past, look at yes. spikes, um, you have at least a, a reference point to go from there. Yes. Um, if you're lucky enough to be able to benchmark off of somebody else who's in your same industry selling mm-hmm. a similar product set, that's another good place to, to measure the, the temperature of your mm-hmm. your margin. Um, so I would say that's that's a big one to measure. Um, and then within that, starting to look mm-hmm. at the um, cost per unit, cost per order, I mentioned that. Yeah. Um, but doing that at the cost per order and cost per unit for shipping and then okay. breaking that out by labor as well. Um, and so okay. what that does is allows you to isolate those variables and then manage. See where you can tweak it. Manage, right? so if those, manage each of those. Let's say if your margins are off yep. and you're not where you want them or they're going down or getting worse compared to yourself in the past. Sure. Um, what are the first things that you should look for? Sure. Um, so I, I think with that, big one to look at is just going to be, you know, are you, again, if you have that complex order profile for mm-hmm. your customer, are you splitting more of your packages, right? So how many units are you fitting in a box? And then across that, how many boxes are you using to fulfill each order? So packages okay. per order is a really okay. important one um, for me. And the reason for that, um, again, if you can see that certain promotions or certain times of year, customers are splitting things out a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, you may be some. You may be doing something to inadvertently drive that. It could be your inventory mm-hmm. placement. It could be other things. Yeah. So kind of look for trends and look, see what correlates to look it. Look for trends. Um, again, if you can work with your finance team to come up with a plan, and then again measure your current progress against those plans across all of these different metrics, you're able to see when you start to see anomalies uh-huh. or variances. You might just want to take a deeper look. Okay. Awesome. Any other tips along our cost to serve? Any other strategies that people can use to mitigate costs? I think, you know, obviously the the labor piece is a big component of it. Okay. Um, a big one, though, that I would say is make sure that as you're negotiating with your carriers, okay. your parcel rates, uh-huh. um, make sure that you're you're being aggressive and that you're knowing mm. where you can get away with, with pushing back on your carriers. Okay. So as again, I said, you know, some of the, the carriers are opening up a little bit more. You maybe mm-hmm. have a little bit more leverage. Um, negotiate those those per package rates. Um, okay. You can use leverage across carriers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you've been using one of the one of the major carriers, it's always worth just asking and saying, yeah. "Hey, you know, other other big carrier, this is the rate I'm getting. What can you do for me?" Um, and even if you end up staying with your current carrier, you mm-hmm. might have leverage or you, you at the very yeah. least know that you're getting a, a currently competitive right. rate. And you've investigated. So um, would you recommend, so let's say that you went and, and approached another carrier, they're going to give you a better rate. Would you try to lock them in long term? Do you feel like you're stuck at that rate? Do you have recommendations that way? That one's going to be a little bit dependent on. I know. It's uh, yeah. Problems. So. Um, you know, I, I would say if you your volumes are going to be another 
factor to consider there. Uh-huh. So do you have enough volume where you can diversify across a wider carrier set? Or do you have mm. low amount of volume where you maybe don't have as much leverage and you're you're not quite as able to to diversify and okay. you, you can't you can't justify multiple carrier pickups on the same yeah. day. Um, so that that's going to be another factor um, that's in there. I would I would say you know year over year contracts, but again, look at look at what fuel prices are doing. Look at what yeah. you know you're getting with your current carrier. Are you getting good leverage with the new carrier? Yeah, and kind of go back and forth and see see where you can gain more awesome. or. Um, you know, if the carrier is willing to move quite a bit, maybe you want to lock them in for a longer yeah, time period. Yeah, right. Okay, um, awesome. Any other tips, takeaways? Um, we're about out of time, but it's been so awesome having you and you have shared so many great ideas. Yeah. So just before we go, final message, if somebody wants out there to get started with looking at their um, cost to serve. Um, I would say again, just make sure that you're able to, to break down those costs um, into different categories and then start breaking down what are those contributing factors to that. So that could be, again, number of packages. It could be your labor rates. It could be how frequently you're sp- splitting packages. It could be you know, how you're marking down your merchandise. Yeah. So um, I would say just cast a wide net. Crunch and the numbers. Crunch the numbers <laughs> and just make sure that, um, again, you're looking at things holistically um, and going from there. Awesome. I love it. Okay. Tom, where can people reach you if they want to connect? Sure. So easiest place to reach me is going to be on LinkedIn. So Tom Butt um, with uh, Summit Advisory Team and awesome. Elevate. Um, feel free to reach out to me there. Always love good messages. and. He's really nice in person. Sure. You, you don't have to be scared of him at all. Yes, please, please reach out. So, um, yeah, awesome. thank you, Lori. We have loved having you here. It has been great to learn about this topic. And um, for the rest of our logistics community, throw some comments in. Make sure you subscribe. And we'll see you next time.